if your only purpose to write the content is the traffic, maybe it would work for you. But if you're serving to customers, if there's a human being reading it and based on what he or she reads, gonna be your customer or not, I think that's where the AI fails. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by a friend, a friend whom I know and uh, I'm in you know, touch with for quite some time now. I'm very excited to be speaking with him today. Um, and I'm sure that the things that he will share are things that you haven't heard of and you would like to uh, hear, especially if you're running content and SEO in a, an early stage SaaS company. So, uh, John, welcome to the SaaS SEO show. George, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to speak on your podcast. So you are the co-founder and CMO at uh, Datapad. But uh, can you speak a bit about you know, what you did before that? What has brought you to, yeah. to, to Datapad and where you are at today? Yes, of course. Um, actually, like in the beginning, I had nothing to do with startups. I, I come from investment background. Right? So I was on the other side of the table. Like I was not an entrepreneur. I was the person who's founding the companies. And um, then I ventured into entrepreneurship space. I built a company back in 2017, uh, a B2B SaaS company, which is acquired today. Um, and after that, I was like, mm, you know, like this B2B SaaS is, is good. I enjoy it. I enjoy marketing. I especially enjoy content. Um, and after that, I took a couple more CMO head of growth roles, scaled a couple of companies, B2B SaaS companies from, from zero to one and, and one to 10. On the way, I started doing advisory for venture capitals and, and, and accelerators working with their companies and also doing uh, solo advisories. Then I told myself it is time again to build another venture. Um, and that's when like I team up, teamed up with my co-founder and we decided to build a data pad. Okay. What is Datapad for people who haven't heard of it? Okay, so I'll try to explain it in, in the most simple way. Datapad is, okay, I want to give an example from Kanma, okay? So because we call ourselves, we want to be 
the Canva for data. Um, so I am someone who can use Canva today because it's super easy, even though my designing skills are horrible. Um, but Canva made design easy for everyone, right? But me, as someone who's coming from an analytics background, I don't think data is still easy for everyone. It's not easy for you to create a dashboard, check your metrics. Um, so we want to make data for everyone. We don't want to make data exclusive for technical people. We want to make sure that it's super easy. Even your grandmas can, can set up a dashboard and, and track metrics from there. Okay. May I ask something? Because I, I generally like don't know. But my, my impression was that, you know what, there are like several tools that do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you found a gap or that, you know, like many of these tools don't yeah. have a, a specific capability that people are missing or anything like that? Yes, uh, there, there are quite a few tools. I respect them, I create those, but the way I see it is, again, I'll refer back to the design space. These tools are more like Adobe of the design, right? They're, they're more for advanced users and they're more complex. And we want to be super, super simple. Like I use those tools and I use my own tool and ours is much more simpler than the other tools because we want to go for masses, right? Uh, we don't want to specifically target people, uh, technical people at agencies or technical founders and, and different personas. We want to make this for the masses. And the other thing is we also want to help teams with the collaboration as well. Most of the data tools out there, they'll give you a dashboard, you'll do your analysis, but then you'll stop there. The thing we want to do is like, we also want to make this a collaborative environment, right? So you can go there and, and have a conversation uh, under a KPI with your team, right? You can write a comment and tag someone and then assign tasks. So we want to make this easy as possible and also make it collaborative as well. So that's how we try to differentiate with, with the rest of the market. And also we want to make it look super cool. Okay, that makes sense. So you are the CMO of the company. And uh, I would like to ask, what is your focus as, as the CMO? What are you working on these days? Yeah, I mean, I, I, put, a, um, I put a CMO there, but uh, it's, I don't call myself a CMO. I just call myself a guy who's dealing with the marketing in, in a very early stage startup. Most of my time these days um, are still doing a lot of customer interviews and, and trying to help with the product roadmap. I spend the like the previous six months on building the growth engine. I spent most of my time there, but now I think I've, we've, we've done a good job there. So I, I don't invest much time into building the growth engine, but now I spend like most of my time into doing the cost of interviews, iterating those interviews, and then giving more feedback to the product uh, and for the product team. And also we're about to raise another round. So I, I, I spend most of my time on the investor relations. We will get back to the customer interviews part because I'm interested in it. But for now, you mentioned like building the growth engine in the last six months. Can we get a bit more specific? And obviously, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, we are friends. We are connected on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and I, I, I see your and read your your LinkedIn posts, and I have seen that you have achieved some great results. And I will start from the like, let's say, the top of of the pyramid, which is traffic. What have you achieved in terms of traffic in these last six months for Datapad? Of course, uh, the traffic. So we, as far as we, we started doing content in August and there was no prior content activity uh, with the Datapad. Um, and as of today, it is, I think it's like 25K right now, 24.8. 
Um, so in six months we hit from, it was not zero exactly. It was like 300 organic tra traffic per month to 25 K. Um, and most of this work was done actually in a three and a half months. The first, the first three and a half months, I designed a sprint and I front loaded as much content as possible. And then the remaining time was basically spent on optimizing the content. So we did like three and a half uh, months of content sprint and went from 300 to 25K in, in six months. Can I ask you something? As, as I was doing the, let's say, research for this episode, I noticed that Datapad used to be, I don't know, a tool or a SaaS company or consultancy. Ah. But it, it, it used to be something like that. So, I mean, the domain is is kind of old. Do you think that this had a positive contribution to your to your overall growth? Um, there was there was another company, um, as as far as I know. But um, when when we took the domain, first of all, like we had no idea about it, and we were not ranking for anything at all. Um, I don't I don't think that I mean I'm not I'm not the expert when it comes to identifying stuff like. But I don't think that it had much of an impact apart from like I think we had a bit. Uh, higher domain rating when we started than someone who's starting from scratch. Maybe that might have benefited us, but um, there was like we were not ranking anything relevant. We we're just getting some traffic. I think um, Datapad, the Star Wars thing. There's a Datapad in Star Wars. That that was a weird thing for me because I'm a Star Wars fan. I was like, I didn't know that there's a Datapad in Star Wars. Apart from that, there was nothing. I'm just asking because we have seen in general uh, like a positive correlation between the 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 age of of a mm -hmm. domain and like how fast you can expect to get results. I mean in general this 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 like the history in general of a of a domain matters and it can also have a negative impact. For example, now we we started working with uh, a client and there we are a returning client. I mean they they had a company they sold it we were working with them then and then they you know got back to us they are launching a new company and we have seen that you know what the 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 domain had a, a manual pen penalty okay and this is not a good thing to to have especially in the beginning of like uh, of an engagement and like of of a of a business let's say that also wants to base their their growth on organic search but I think that in your case, if I had to guess, I would say that it had a positive contribution, and also the, you know, the name in general had had a positive contribution, and the the fact that the domain was old and like relevant to to what what you're building. I would like to to get a bit more, uh, let's say, in depth when it comes to how how you achieved that. You did a, a content sprint. Can, can you get a bit more specific about that? I mean, how. First of all, let's let's take it from the beginning. Like, how did the um, keyword research process look like? Was it based on mm -hmm. what, like, on the insights you got from these customer interviews, on like research using SEO software? How mm -hmm. how 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 did you came up of with course. This, like keywords? Of course. Um, so in the beginning, um, maybe I'll, I'll give a bit of a context on why I started doing content super early in in the journey. So. Um, when I build a startup, I feel like the best way of preparing, setting yourself up for a scale is that you start doing the things that are not scalable and in, in terms of marketing, right? Things that will bring you short-term results. It could be like a product hunt launch. It could be reaching out to your family and friends and doing outreach. 
And then at the same time, I feel like you need to build your uh, growth engine as well. So it could be, you know, uh, sales loop, it could be virality, it could be content and SEO, and it could be based on, it could be ads. And in my case, um, you know, I, I picked the content and SEO and I was like, I know, like, not that for certain, but I had a great feeling from my past experience that this is going to be a PLG, this is going to be a PLG play. And uh, like a content is, is going to be a great a growth engine for us. So with this in my mind, uh, I started building content very early on. I think it's contrary to what everyone is saying that hey, like you should wait um, to hit the product market fit before you build. But then I've done that in the past. So you build a product, you get a lot of customers, and then the traction side is lacking. And you're like, oh, like I should have started building this early on. It would have been better. So that was the reason why I started early on. And the way I started is, <clears throat> so I started reach out to some people on LinkedIn. Um, and I also reach out to some family and friends to get the initial feedback from, from these people. Um, and also the other way is like, I use G2. So I use G2 to look at our competitors, right? And then I read every single review, like who's giving, who's giving those reviews? Um, what are the titles of those people? And then specifically, I was very careful about reading this section where people talk about the jobs to be done that they're trying to achieve with the competitor tool, right? So that really helped me in the beginning to understand what is the jobs to be done of, of my audience? Like, what are the problems that they're they're trying to solve? What is it that they're trying to achieve? That was the big part of, of my keyword research. But, but this time I didn't use anything at all. So I was just trying to come up with ideas so so that I can build my list. Um, and, then, and then we did product hunt lunch, okay? In the product hunt lunch, there was a big traction. So when that traction happened, some of some of these people, they really love the product and, and, and they they stayed with us. Then I run a proper jobs to be done interview with those people. I was basically asking these people, hey, like, how would you search for a solution like ours? And could you please share your screen and show me how would you do it? And that gave me a lot of great options as well. So that gave me uh, keyword ideas that I wouldn't be able to find it from, from Ahrefs or, or SEMrush. Um, so this is how I built my initial risk, like doing the customer interviews one-on-one um, -on -one and also using a G2. Um, those two things were the main main stuff for me. Can I ask you, first of all, great framework for someone who is just like starting out and want, wants to like replicate your success. But can I ask you, when you were on, a, on a, an interview, let's say with, uh, a person who like signed up for the product and kind of explained how they would search for it. Did you then like, did you factor in things like, I don't know, search volume or keyword difficulty or anything like that? Or it was just, you know what? No, if this person says that like this is, or if this is a pattern that I see among different people I've interviewed and they say that, you know what, this is, like how we would search for something like that, a solution like yours, then that's it. I don't have to be biased by what AHR says or SMRush or any other tool for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I had uh, I had instances like that where uh, like there was not there was a there there was a keyword uh, there's there was a volume, but it wasn't much. Uh, I think most people wouldn't cover it. But for me, like if if the top, if I'm hearing something recurrently on a customer interview, right? and and it's relevant to my business it has a high business relevancy i don't care if there is a traffic or if there's a low traffic i make sure that i cover it i cover it for two reasons one you know my customers are mentioning it 
right? So even there's no search volume, some people could be searching for it and I could gain customers from there. Two, like I'm probably trying to build a topical authority on, on that topic. And and I do believe that like if you want to achieve a topical authority study, you, you gotta cover everything that that you can cover, whether if something has I don't know, zero search volume or 10 search volume. Those were like the two reasons why I put all those things into my content calendar. Okay. And after you finalize these topics like and keywords, like this is it, this is what we are going to do. What were the next steps? I mean, did you work? Did you hire someone in-house? Did you outsource some of that stuff? How did the process look like? And you know, yes. how did you execute on on your strategy? Um, okay, so after doing my customer interviews, there were there were a couple of important things for me. One, like I came up with the topic that I want to be able to topical authority on. And then I went ahead and 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 also looked for the keywords that is around the problem of, of my audience. And then I identify the keywords that are around the desired outcome of, of my um, audience based on the interviews. And then I also looked for the current solution. Like what are the alternatives if, if people don't use, if, if they're not using a tool like mine or my competitors, what is a different way of doing it, right? How are they currently doing it? Um, so I identified all those things and then I created a topical map, right? I, I did my keyword research and then I created a topical map. I visualized it in, in Miro. Um, and and after that, I found a content writer, um, so that he can help me with writing the content because I'm not I'm not the best with writing content. I did the content strategy, I did the topical map, I created the content briefs, I did the on page optimization. I was the one who's uploading everything to the CMS. Um, so that that that's how my process was. Like I did most of the content strategy and on page optimization, and I delegated writing um, to my writer. What about content briefing? was that on you like it's yeah what? it's me it's me the okay. only thing that i delegated was just writing like i did the briefing um i did the briefing keyword research topical map um and the only thing that my writer had to do was just write it okay how did you hire that person i mean uh because i guess that some of the topics are a bit more specialized right it's not i'm not referring to alternatives or anything like that but when you have to write something about KPI tracking or how to do a certain thing on Google Seeds, for example, how to build a dashboard on Google Seeds, which, which is one of you know mm -hmm. the, the pages that you have that runs really well. I mean, it requires some knowledge and also some hands-on experience with that tool. So I guess my question is, this, did this person um, ha have experience with like KPI tracking met metrics and like dashboarding and things like that? Or yeah. Yeah. So uh, how I hired the person is I knew the person before uh, we worked together and he found me through LinkedIn. And he, I think he commented on one of my posts and then, and then we had a chat. That's how I found a person. He didn't have a background on a tool like mine, but he had a background on B2B SaaS. So he already knew uh, he already knew the space. He used some of the, uh, some of the comp competitor tools out there, but the way we did it was like when I hire someone, even if this person is not a full full time a freelancer, I make sure that they understand the product. Right, I have a call with them. I show them how to use the product. I talk about the competitors. If necessary, I send them little videos and and like I try to give as much information as I can so that the person is like a full time uh, full full time person in in, in my team. So that's how we overcame that. It took a bit of time to onboarding, but I feel like this is the right way, right? If you're going to be 
talking about my product is that I need to make sure that you know and you understand my product. Um, and also, of course, like I was doing editing as well. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just let someone like write about my product without me seeing it, what is going on there. So in the beginning, like I was more hands-on, I was sending the Loom videos and I was saying that, Hey, like, this is not the use case. This is how we use it. This is why we do it. This kind of stuff. That's what we did. This, this sounds the, like a lot of work, right? And, uh, I, I would like to ask how many like pieces of content have you published in this, let's say three point half months, like the bulk of it were published in, in this like time frame, time window, but in general, how many yeah. pages have you published since you started in, in, in total right now or in this three months, I uh, think in, in total, total I, I would say in total, in total. Okay. Um, I think it's 74 or 75, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not right, it should be 75, not more than that. Um, I'm th talking about the blog posts. Yeah, we did 75. Most of it is done in, in three and a half months. Um, to be honest, like after December, end of December, we did not do much on publishing new content. It was just like optimizing this stuff, focusing on the information gain score. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, still, that's, that's quite impressive. I mean, we are an agency and we have handled some some projects like that. And it's it's quite quite impressive. Um, I would like to ask you, you also did alternative pages and I saw that you also did some comparisons like, you know, one tool vs the other. How do you, how do you go about this, these pages? Because especially when you are at an early stage, I guess there can be some assumptions as to what, you know, the competing solutions are, but where your decisions on what pages to create alternatives for? based on also things that people shared with you, like, yeah, we would use this or we use this and we are not happy. And so, yeah, so I sourced most of it from the, the early customer interviews I had. So I would ask people, um, what other tools you considered with them, which one of them is you like, or like, I would basically ask them, Hey, like, what was your solution, right? Like how, how are you solving it? And I, I, you see that we have a lot of content on Google sheets because like, um, most of our, most of our users are actually using Google sheets to build those dashboards, not one of the competitors, but the way I prioritize the alternatives is like, if I'm hearing about the particular company a lot in my customer interviews, I'll go and pri pri prioritize that content, uh, company first. And, um, there were some instances, instances that I had no idea about this competitor, but I kept hearing it on a customer interviews and there was like, maybe like 10, 20, uh, search volume per month. And then I was actually getting a lot more than that. And I was actually getting the right amount of the right type of leads from, from this type of content. Okay. What about, uh, promotion and link building? Have you done anything around that? No, no, no link building was done. I mean, I'm, I usually like for me, like I've, I haven't done an active link building in the past. Like the link building I've done was always from the passive link building, linkable assets, like a statistics and trends kind of articles. But in this case, we didn't do any link building. It's just we relied on on the topical authority and the content velocity. I didn't get I didn't get into link building. Also, back to alternative pages uh, and more specifically comparisons. I saw that you have a, a three way comparison on on the website, and I would like to ask your your thoughts about that because I know that some companies do it. Like there are two prominent competitors, and they add themselves in you know the conversation. And I would like to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, what, what's your experience with these pages in general? Comparison, pa creating comparison pages 
for two other competitors and kind of like promoting your solution in there or you know straight away uh, creating a, a three-way comparison page yeah um i mean i've, I've experimented with this thing in the past so um it it, it converts um and the reason why i hijack myself there is because like i had some customers signing up and like when i asked them like how did you hear about us and then they were like we actually had no idea that you existed uh, we were trying to we're trying to go between the two companies and i just wanted to get more information and read from the other people i just searched you know company versus company and i thought that i was going to read company versus company and then someone is saying hello like there's another tool there and then it just got my attention and then i read the article and then i went to your home page and looked around and then signed up so it converts um I would say that the traffic is very low. Uh, to be honest, like we don't, we did not get a lot of conversions from those articles, and we didn't do a lot of these. As well. I think we have quite a few of them. But I know if I want to scale it, I could scale and do more. Um, it was more like an experiment again for us. But uh, I'll tell you that they they do convert. It's an interesting because when someone is searching for a competitor versus a competitor, they're already late in the journey, right? They they decided to make a purchase. But then someone else is coming in and say, hey, like my brand is there. Hello, like there's this company as well. You can still poach them because they made their mind that they want to they want to invest in a solution like yours, right? So why not just say hi and, and introduce yourself? And you know, if they want to give it a go, then they'll give it a go. That was my thinking. You're very open about the results that you achieve. And I, I like that. We talked about traffic and you know, which is kind of one of the out puts of this effort and we also talk about talked about inputs like 70 plus pieces of content covering different like uh, stages of the life cycle journey i would like to talk about another output which is you know leads and at the end of the day if any of these things and this this very hard work and uh, very carefully planned you know like plan plan that you have crafted does it result in you know leads and i'm not talking just i'm not referring just to like alternative pages and comparison pages but also like other pages covering different intents that you have created content for yes of course um in in terms of leads well maybe it's going to be surprising but yes the alternative pages are converting but we also get a lot of leads from what I call the current solution focused content, right? So um, we have like most of our users were actually using Google Sheets, right? So I've written a lot of content on like how to create a KPI dashboard, how to do XYZ on, on Google Sheets. Um, and these type of articles are converting and bringing us leads as well. Um, and and the reason is like I give people what they want in, in those articles, right? Like, hey, like here's how you can create a Google Sheet dashboard in, in five or six steps. But then I go back to my customer interviews, right? We have some customers using Google Sheets and I and I ask them like, what is it that you didn't like? What triggered you to look for another solution? And I take the information that I that I gather from these interviews and then put it into the same article and say, hey, look, you can do you can do KPI dashboard with Google Sheets. That's fine. Do it this way and we help you. But there are some drawbacks. And I think the key is like you don't guess the drawbacks there. You actually source those drawbacks from people who are experiencing this this problem. And then after that, I would put another section like, hey, like uh, there's a better way of creating a KPI dashboard and you can do it this way. 
Um, then I would put like screenshots, videos, and I try to do my best to explain. And actually, these type of articles are receiving a decent traffic and converting as well, like bringing us leads. That's a very good insight. I like it. Speaking of, uh, you know, using screenshots when you're like creating a piece of content, especially for Google Seeds, I mean, is that part of the content briefing process or is it just, you know, the, the, the writer's work to, to, to do? Or is it like you give the direction here, we need to have a step-by-step -step process on how to do this. And then the writer goes and execute on that. Yeah. So I put it onto content brief. I, I put the steps and then I also, for example, mentioned like, these are the drawbacks that we need to be using in, and we need to talk, especially about this and this and this, um, the steps, again, I put it onto content brief. I link to some other contents that I've done it in the past and performed well as an example. And if it's necessary, I usually have a call with my writer and, and explain how we're going to do all those steps. Like I try to give as much as I can. I have, I have like notion docs and, and SOPs or like ready assets that I can give it to my writers so that it's easier for them so that they don't need to go out and look for all these resources. And that's how I'm trying to help to my writer. Do you have a view on uh, where do conversions happen? Do they happen on th on that page or people just go to the home page and just sign up from from there? Yeah. Yeah. Again, here, like I I'll, I'll keep referring to my customers and users all the time because I'm a very user centric person. Um, I if, if when someone is signed up, I usually send them an email. Right. Now. I, I try to have a conversation with them um, when they sign up and when they use the product for a couple of days. And I ask them like, hey, like, how did you sign up? And most of the people are saying that they decided to sign up and they, they clicked on the CTA while they were reading the blog. Um, and I ask them why. And the, re the response that I usually get is like, we felt good about you guys because like you were not hiding it behind a paywall. Like you were actually showing how this thing works. You were putting screenshots, videos and everything. We felt that it was the right, it was right for us. So we just wanted to give it, give it a go and just click on the CTA on the page and then you know, go for, go for the product. Yeah. So as I hear it, like the, the customer or the person who signed up for the product, even though, even if they are not a customer yet, this is the ultimate source of truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always like to refer back. To my customers as i said like i am very user-centric um another example maybe it's not relevant to this but like show you how i'm how user-centric i am sometimes i use a hot chart and, and put the questions onto my blog right hey like how we could make this article better and did this help you how how we would be able to help you better what do you think is missing from an article and i collect those responses and then when it's time to update my content i go on and, and update my content based on these responses i don't know if a lot of people are doing that but like i experiment with this um sometimes you get some insight that that you, and it's like, oh, like I didn't think about this. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. What are your thoughts on AI content? Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, thoughts is I, I keep seeing uh, how ChatGPT helped me to go from a zero to something else in, in the LinkedIn pretty much like every single day. And that's one of the reasons why I don't want to go back to LinkedIn because it's all about, oh, like ChatGPT helped me to create 5,000 pages in one day. Um, what I think is I'm experimenting with it, not on, not on my domain. I'm, I'm not putting out to the blog, like, I'm just trying to see how it works. But I mean, it writes an article, but when I read it, it's like, it's dull. Um, it's, it's dull. The thing is, I, I see that the bad content can rank, right? It, it ranks. I see a lot of bad co content ranking. You probably see it as well. But um, if your only purpose to write a content is the traffic, maybe it would work for you. But if you're serving to customers, if there's a human being reading it and based on what he or she reads, 
going to be your customer or not. I think that's where the AI fails. Um, I don't think it's doing a great job there. I mean, it helps me with doing some SEO related stuff. And, and it, like I use it as my VA, um, especially when it comes to entities. It helps me with finding entities from um, other articles out there. But for writing content, I just feel like it's 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 dull. Like I, I don't I don't like it that much. I understand. I I guess we will start wrapping things up. And uh, one of my last questions would be: You are doing this for a while now. I mean, you have grown businesses. You have you have exited businesses. Where do you see all this? You know, uh, going like uh, especially when it comes to SaaS and how SaaS companies do marketing in general. What do you think the the future looks like? Yeah, that's a, that's a very, very tricky question. Um, I mean, every time there's a new technology, people start talking, oh, like, is this the dead of, I don't know, is this the end of SEO? Is this the end of content marketing? I think we've been seeing the same thing for since like 2000 or, or something. Um, but even if, I don't know, if AI content has, has, has a certain impact on my acquisition channel because of the SEO, um, my goal is, is, is to make revenue, right? Is, is to get, is to get customers as a B2B SaaS founder. I'll just adopt and, and I'll find something, something else. And that's what I can say. Like, my goal is not to generate traffic. My goal is to generate users. And if SEO stops working for me, which I don't think that it's going to happen, then I'll find another way. Then I'll go LinkedIn and I'll, I'll I don't know, I'll do TikTok maybe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not not anytime soon, at least, because you know, it it's like it has to be these days the 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 one or the other, right? There there's no like middle ground, let's say. Either SEO is dead or SEO is the best, right? Even yeah. for even especially for companies and clients of ours where SEO is a, a very important channel, we all we always, you know, suggest that they look for alternatives because what if something goes wrong, right? What if Google, you know, uh, releases a, a new update and you you lose some of your traffic and and thus as an extension, some of your acquired customers and so on and so forth. So it's always good to to diversify. But I see it as a great channel, and I would say that you know there is always a middle ground. Like it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not white or black. SEO is dead, or you know, SEO is the best, and that's that's the only one. That's not how how it works. Anyway, next steps for Datapad. Um, next step for Datapad. So we're trying to raise another round and build. So we're we're gonna launch a huge update soon and and give the updated version of the product based on the feedbacks that that we gathered. Um, I think it will happen by the end of this month, and and after that, the next step is is to go into fundraising mode and, and raise funds to make this thing even even bigger and from my from my the acquisition perspective um again i will not invest heavily into content in SEO because i think we've done enough um i'll be focusing more again on the customer interview side of things and see how people use the product and maybe based on that i'll do some tweaks on on my current content that's great that was all very insightful john thank you very much for this last question i have for you where can people find out more and get in touch if they'd like to? Um, I'm trying to be active on LinkedIn. Um, sometimes I'm not. I'm trying to hide these uh, ChatGPT cursors, but uh, most of the times I'm I'm on LinkedIn, John Ozuisal, and um, 
also like i i started my newsletter recently growth whispers growthwhispers.com so i tried to share my experiences there um but if you want to reach out to me linkedin is the best way okay we will drop all these notes and links in the in the show notes and also datapad datapad.io is the website for for people who want to check out you know datapad and what you're building there john thank you very much for this really appreciate it george thank you my friend and i'm looking forward to having another chat with you soon thank you for staying with us until the end before you go i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahrefs AHRS provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use AHRS Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.